Welcome back to Blows and Talks. My name is Ron Efron, and today we have a special guest. With me here is Carl Monkvist, who is the Regional Director of South Asia Pacific at Access Communications. For those of you that are not in the security industry, Access is truly a leading video company at a global level and really is one of the main pioneer companies that were promoting digital video before it even was widely adapted in the industry. So, um, Carl, thank you for joining me here today. Uh, thank you, Ron. It's a pressure. Great, great. So, um, I hope I pronounced your uh, your surname correctly. Um, if I from now on, I think I'll just be calling you Carl. If that's okay with you, that's okay. Great. So, you know, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I've been working with Axis probably from the early 2000s, and I really remember it as being a pioneer at the time. And um, I've been working with this company, uh, you know, ever since, really. And um, so tell me, how did you how did you get into this? How did you get into this role? And um, tell me a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, thank you for the, asking the question. Yeah, I can start off there and, and I can you know get into the access portion a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, originally I'm from Sweden and therefore the complicated surname. Um, <laughs> I moved out here uh, to Asia 2009 uh, as part of the, basically part of the Swedish embassy costume. Uh, with the, the trade council, um, have a very different background, I would say, to a lot of people in in the industry. Uh, I ended up here at thirteen, you know, basically now thirteen years. But I worked for uh, the, the trade council until two thousand eighteen, and and ended up for a couple of years as trade commissioner for parts of of Southeast Asia, and and responsible for parts of you know India and, and Oceania over time. Um, and, and the trade council has uh, the Swedish trade council is basically coming from a consultancy background. So you are government employed, yes, uh, you, you work on a diplomatic hat, but you work as a business consultant driving Swedish exports out in the world, uh, doing a lot of, you know, anything from, from entry barrier analysis to market analysis as to how do you set up locally, uh, which market to pick, and so on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really love those topics. And during this period, I, I also, you got to know access out here in the market. I did not know them when I was back in, in Sweden, but coming out to Asia, uh, I was part of, of their early expansion in 2009 and 10 and 11, when access really had, you know, this pioneer as you, you defined it in, in the video, but from a market growth perspective, they're like, okay, we're going to, you know, grow five times in X number of years. A very, very ambitious growth plan because they see, they saw how IP video really took off. And, and that's really how it started. So um, I was helping Axis to get into the markets of Indonesia to, to Malaysia. And and uh, that's really where my connection started with Axis. Mm-hmm. And then we worked you know, side by side for a couple of years, supporting them to find basically access into industries across the Southeast Asia region. Uh, and in 2018, uh, there became an opening for the regional directed position for South Asia Pacific. And uh, I really like the companies. I said, well, I've worked for the government a long time. Uh, I like what I do, but I would really, really love to work for the industry. And Axis is a fantastic company. So let's try it out. And I got it. So since then, since 2018, I'm with Axis Communications, I'm responsible for this region and uh, for the whole sales operations, basically. 
Well, you must have been doing a great job because uh, access products are really everywhere in Asia um, or everywhere that really matters. So that's great. Yeah, it, it's good. And it's it continues to grow. Um, being a high high quality, high cost item in Asia, it's tough in certain markets, I should say. Uh, sure. But I think the market is also maturing. As you, I mean, I think you see that as well, that um, you know, it, it, the market's starting to adopt the total cost view mm-hmm. of things rather than just the bottom line cost. So it's getting easier and easier. And from an access point of view, we work with all the other elements of which is important for mm. for the whole the whole technology or the whole industry, which is not just setting a, a box on the wall. It's really everything else. Of course, of course, that's great. And when did Access begin exactly? Because I remember them from the early two thousands, and I was really blown away by the product at the time because th- then it was only analog video. Yeah. And I remember Access really being one of those sort of newer product lines and newer companies. And the fact that it was based in Sweden was really amazing too. So yeah. when did it actually start? What's the story there? It's a very interesting story. And I kind of, you know, here I had to open the history books because I wasn't a part of that story. But here saying former founder, Martin Gren, it's a very interesting journey. Um, Access started off in 1986 and did uh, print service. I think a few people know that, but print service at that point in time, coming from a, a, basically a startup in Sweden and competing with a big Japanese players mm. uh, like Canon uh, on print service. And I think Axis became the third largest in the world on print service, which basically made Axis a true IoT company already in the late 80s, before internet really was around, which is pretty amazing. So the whole mindset of the company has been uh, network. From the start. Now, print server with internet or with fiber optics starting to come and everyone has to very quickly to it. Of course, print service became obsolete. So the company went into a bit of a trouble. And then, you know, when you have creators of a company is very creative, um, suddenly IP audio came to life. Uh, and no one had tried that really. How did you take a camera and put it on the network? And it took a few years before it really took off. But I think what, what they tell me is about 2000, they could really see that the market you know, adopted to it so that it became, you could actually start living on it. And then it was just since 2000, it's been uh, like a rocket. And, you know, I mean, a competition came out. So you can say Axis is the founder of, of IP audio or, or network video on, on the IP network. So. Um, it's it's a fantastic journey. It's a it's and, and X has continued to improve uh, on in innovate and spend a lot of its its revenue on on continuously being in the forefront of of innovation around the whole security aspects of uh, of, of technology. Yes, uh, I can see that. Tell me, are the products manufactured in Sweden, or is that a mixture of manufactured in different locations? So Access has had a philosophy since start to kind of do what we are good at and then let other people do what they are good at. So we do um, manufacture most every, all the R&D is today in in Sweden, all the blueprints um, and everything. Manufacturing is done mainly in Europe and in US or North America, I should say. so it's more like assembly portions. So, uh, yeah, it, it's nothing still, done at this point. You're competing with products that are manufactured in China and Vietnam. So yeah. that must be tough. 
It is tough, yes, it is. But you kind of work, need to work on the quality and need to be consistent with that message. So it has worked uh, for the last 30 years, and I think that's the that's the strategy for Axis moving forward as well. I'm sure that works well with um, Western companies too in terms of security and government compliance and all that. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it works in certain countries in Asia as well where they mm-hmm. see, we, we see a lot of this, for example, where... Asian companies, you know, need to, p- to procure locally. They they don't sometimes they don't mind that it's it may be lower lower quality of the solutions. But when they go international, they really want to have because they know that in if they go need to export to Europe or to any to Australia or to US, they need to have a quality solution. Then suddenly access becomes the choice. Right. So I think I mean we are on that journey of of establishing ourselves in Asia. It's taken some time, and and it's, we're going to continually to to uh, and to be very focused on what we do. Okay. So how, to the degree that you can share here, how was business last year, and how do you see uh, business this year? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think the whole world has been a trauma with, with COVID and the kind of effects the rings of the water of covid with component shortages and um and and not only technology companies i mean even if you want to buy a, a bed you have, i know sorry we can't deliver for a year so mm-hmm. everything has been interrupted and so for, of course also for us so last year was tough uh for us in the end we actually ended up with a very very strong year so we came out of it uh, a year ago it was very hard, and then turned around around you know summer, uh, European summer, and then we we saw fantastic growth, and that is really really kicking off and continuing now, and we are delivering more products than we ever have done uh, in quarter one, so not too bad. That's great. So this year is looking promising as well. It's looking promising, and I think you know even if we have a recession around the corner potentially with. You know the, the the conflict in Ukraine continuing, and and potentially that central banks are not easing off or actually tightening it even more. I think security industry is pretty resilient because at the end of the day, you don't want even if you want to save money, you don't want to save it on safety and security. So I think we're pretty in a. I think we are safe in that way. Mm, that's true. Um, can can you share what which markets are your sort of larger markets in Asia? Is that information you can share? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's no secrets, right? I mean, if you look at, if you look Asia, it extended to Oceania as well. Um, Oceania is where I think we have a very, very strong presence. Um, um, within Asia, we are, I mean, we are never going to be the biggest brand in Asia as we are in the US. Um, it's just too much competition. Um and it's not only, I mean, we have, and this, you know, they are also strong and the Chinese, you have Korean and Taiwanese. So, right. Mm. Um, but we do holding our fort and we're seeing us being in the, in the segment where we are, you know, which we are looking at. We have a, we have a leading role or a close to leading role across most countries in, uh, in Asia, I would say. That's great. And you're having a partner summit soon in Goa, India, and hopefully that, does that represent your plans to further invest and grow in India? Absolutely. I mean, India is for us is um, not only for us. I think for the world yes. right now, it's every, mm. a spotlight is going there, um, and we see fantastic growth and opportunities. Markets are maturing, uh, and and therefore we wanted to put our partner summit in, in India, which is the first time. Now it comes with a bit of complexity. Um, mm. 
but visas and all <laughs> yeah visas and all but you know in all fairness and this is what we have tried to tell our partner base but really the ones we're inviting for these partners are the closest partners to us um across the the southeast asian india region um and we kind of wanted to share this message that your, your friends on the other side in india always have to go for visas when they go to southeast asia so that's true you know let, let's let's see what what this can bring and it, if not it will open eyes to a lot of southeast asians that india is on the move and um, potentially business opportunities there to find for them as well well that's great um i'm jealous i cannot make it myself but um for our company as well india is a big focus and we're seeing a lot of growth opportunities there as well yeah. so i'm really excited about that but tell me a little bit more so you are operating all around i mean you specifically around uh india and southeast asia or south asia and you have partners and clients and you work closely with partners and clients around the region have you experienced any challenges or anything or um that, that is hard uh, moving products through borders and and finding the right partners and finding solutions what, what kind of challenges are you seeing yeah I I think you know from if you start from from a from partner base and and you know people are people across the world. That's true. And and um, I, I think culturally, yes. I mean, there are differences. Asia as as a whole is hugely fragmented and different. Um, and and I think from a outside perspective, as being a European, we are not really we haven't understood that diversity that it actually exists before you really live here for a long time. Uh, so that is one thing, but then you don't want to over, you don't want to overweight that in the, in, in the whole discussion because again, people are people, and people want to be create. Do you want to create trust, right? Uh, and people want to make money, want to build something, which is similar across the world. So as long as you can work close and really, you know, be consistent with how you are, you know, you 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 are a trustworthy partner to them. And from an access point of view, we have always been very consistent on not going direct to customers and never, even if it's a massive potential deal, we always stick to going through our distribution, going through our partners so that there is no, there should not be any confusion. Um, and I think that has really played out well, especially in Asia. We build slower potentially than we would in, in, uh, in Americas and in Europe, but we build consistent. From complexity, I mean, yes, um, the, 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 the number of borders and the number of different rule settings is, is a complexity that has to be tackled. And it takes a, it's the transaction cost of doing business in Asia is higher, mm. definitely, than it would be anywhere else in, in kind of Europe and the US or in the Americas. Um, and you just need to equip. If you want to do business here, you need to adopt to it. But we also see things getting more complicated, which I think everyone sees with a lot of the new certifications, a lot of making in, making India, making Indonesia, make everyone wants to make in, uh, and and of course every company can't make it everywhere. So you end up uh, in a in a yeah th th that's a topic that is going to be interesting to follow and how Asia actually want to to grow together because if everyone want to pull their weight and their direction it's going to be very hard yeah i understand that and so there, around the world there's a trend of countries developing like a gdpr type of laws does that is that a challenge for access as well uh, yeah i mean this industry of course it kind of hits you quite mm. direct right but uh, at the same time i think for us it's it's actually could be a, an advantage because mm. coming from 
Sweden and the European Union, who has put in a place a very, very strong UDPR regulation and follow up of it, you kind of adopt your whole go to market with that. And we have mm-hmm. said as a company that although we are not in Asia restricted to it, we have said as a company that we will follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the rules getting tightened out here, I think is actually to our advantage. Mm-hmm. You're going to be used to that way of operating. Interesting, interesting point. Okay, that's great. So I have here, I wanted to ask you from your point of view, if you have any suggestions for end users. So imagine an end user wanting to um, upgrade their video system or they're out there in the market for new cameras or new platform. From your perspective, would you have any suggestions for these types of end users? Yeah, I I mean, okay, I'm a bit partial here. Um, but I think, you know, uh, if, if I should try to have a bit of an objective perspective to it, I, I would first say that, of course, the wallet that you have or the budget you have sets the criteria what you can buy. But there are always certain things that you'd always look at from an end customer perspective. Um, uh, the, the total cost is very important and it's going to be more and more important uh, moving forward. Um, don't look what is the cheapest solution for the short term. Just look for what actually and try to calculate that cost over time because there are so many hidden costs in in the whole network security aspect. Um, and, and for what we're really trying to promote is the hidden energy cost, for example, by you know compressing video at a, at a very, very effective rate to reduce server quantities. And I don't want to throw the server companies under the bus here, but at the end of the day, that drives energy. And energy becomes more and more expensive. Uh, you can save a lot of that. It's an also sustainability factor, which will come into play. Uh, I, I think another factor is, especially if you come from an end customer that has a larger exposure, who wants to be on an exporting into to the Western world as well, and you will end up with criteria that you have to be sustainable, for example. You have to have certain level of criteria. Um, so, you know, then as a vendor, you have to be very careful so that you don't shoot yourself in the foot in the long term, choosing the wrong one. Um, so th- there are different angles to this, but I-, I would say that the total cost is probably where I, I, I you know, and the energy efficiency that you really should look at. Maybe adding also quality of service, um, you know, the, the whole back end of things. If things go wrong, you, right, you want to be sure that the company you're buying from has that capacity to serve you through many years. And mm, a well, good and high level. Mm, that's very well said. Uh, I would agree wholeheartedly on, on that approach. We talk a lot about hidden costs as well to our customers. It's always challenging when you're facing a competitive bid situation where the client's only looking at you know, the number on the paper, not taking into account all these hidden costs and future costs and everything. And uh, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, L1s of different character, but the one I think that the whole um, I was thinking my my personal view here, but I think a, a lot of these tender processes they need to change somewhere down the line uh, and to be a bit more holistic to what they want to achieve because they are uh, coming back to the whole aspect of of sustainability and, and normally as you said it's only the, the money at the bottom line that you know the price tag and in the short term that becomes the the, the rule. To define who's who's gonna who's gonna win it, then we're not gonna move the yard yardstick as a totality of of a globe, right? So something has to change, 
that's my my personal view. Well, from my experience, I see customers. Some customers are simply approaching this in a more sophisticated, smart way, hmm. and those are and the others that are looking at it like as a commodity. And I, I find it hard to look at a overall security solution as a commodity because it isn't. So we try to focus on customers that take security seriously because we know that they will be looking at it like that, as opposed to those that are don't care about security. And then you have this value to add to, to give to them, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I think you you pick your customers as they pick mm-hmm. you uh, a certain extent. Right? You want to have a long-term relationship because you just don't want to sell things. You really want to build that relationship and be serving a customer uh, and making it uh, a very good ROI on, on what they actually buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's a mindset. And, and that's what we try to do at Access as well, to pick our partners should have that mindset. It, it's it, at least it will be a lot easier to work with Axis if you have that mindset, if you know what I mean. It, because we come from that angle in everything we do. So one of the last questions here I wanted to ask you is a little bit about the future. So from your point of view and also from your personal point of view, if you don't mind, and also uh, from Axis itself, how do you see the products developing? How do you see the future? You know, the, there's a lot of new and exciting technology evolving today. What are the, some interesting trends that you're seeing? Yeah, it's a, it's a big, big topic. Um, and I would I would ask when I say that first, I'm I'm not an engineer. I'm a happy, you know, go happy or trigger happy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so test a few things. But you know, that said, I from a technology point of view, I I think I, I think you mentioned. I mean, selling solutions that's the key, right? So moving from selling a product to solutions and finding technology that combines and make it smarter is, is probably the way forward now everyone talks about we talked about ai and and uh, before that it was you know analytics and yeah it, it's always these bubbles and everyone want to do it um i i don't know what's going to come next but but I, I can definitely see that security is moving into to new things i mean cloud has been there for a long time but Honestly, the security industry hasn't really gone in mm. there yet. Uh, mm. It will come, absolutely. We're gonna with five G. It's gonna be very interesting to see where the security industry will go. I um, mean, it's really a technology that will, will could change dramatically, especially industrialization um, and how you um, and traffic, for example. There are certain industries where 5G will really make a, a shift. Mm. Uh, we are not there yet, but it will take another five, 10 years probably before we really, really see a, a huge difference. But that's where, you know, I think the security industry needs to figure out how we take a part. So, um, yeah, it's a big question, a big topic. Yeah, but that's no, th- those are great points. And uh, thank you for sharing that. And I just want to state here as well. For our listeners that are in this part of the world, in Singapore or in uh, Southeast Asia here, Access has an amazing experience center. Uh, what, what do you call it exactly? You have an amazing um, space in your office here that you're showcasing all your products and you're demoing the products. And if you're around town, uh, reach out to Access directly or uh, reach out to Blue Ocean. We can help you with that as well. And I suggest you go and uh, take a look at that and experience that because it is really um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Our exhibition center, it's in, in Suntech City in Singapore. We just actually, for you know, uh, in Bangalore, we just are opening up uh, a similar uh, oh, that's great. exhibition center in, um, yeah, in the new office. So 
you're going to have an inauguration in the next couple of months. But already now in a few weeks, I think we will start inviting um, partners and customers to have a look. And it, it gives us, you know, you really can really play around with the technology and you can visualize, you know, seeing is believing. That's the whole thing. No, that, that is a great investment. And uh, that's very smart of you. Please let us know when your Bangalore Experience Center is open. We will definitely uh, drive some traffic that way. Well, Carl, um, I know you have to get um, get on with your day. I really appreciate your time here and sharing your insights uh, yourself and also about access. And um, I will put some notes in our podcast, some show notes in terms of uh, contacts and other information. So please go there. And um, again, Carl, thank you so much. Ron, it's been a pleasure. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again.